And welcome to the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio. This is Nathan Ruggles here with you today. Uh, thanks so much for, for hanging out with us now. Our sponsors here include the Operating Engineers Local 66, as well as the American Federation of Government Employees, AFGE. We appreciate all they do to keep us on the air here at the Union Edge. And uh, as always, you know, we welcome your comments. We'd like to hear from you. Give us some feedback. Send us an email, feedback at unionedge.com. You can always head out on social media as well, and out to Facebook, or uh, send us a tweet at the Union Edge. And it's now my pleasure to have on with us, uh, with all the latest and greatest news from around the country, around the world uh, about workers. It's a labor reporter, Doug Cunningham. Doug, uh, thanks for being on the program. Hey, Nathan, great to be with you as always uh, here on the Union Edge. This is good stuff that gets broadcast here on the Union Edge about working families, about labor unions, about all the issues facing our families around the country. So uh, really happy to be able to talk to you today about that. And uh, this week, something very important started, and that was the Teamsters uh, and the United Parcel Service, UPS, and their negotiations for a new labor contract. That began this week. And, you know, there are lots of Teamsters uh, at UPS, obviously, 260,000 uh, Teamsters there. All over the country, all over the place, yeah, and those yeah, brown they, shirts they, and the brown trucks, right? <laughs> that's right, nationwide. When, you, you know, when you're excited to see them show up to deliver your package, you know, those are union folks, uh, and those are good jobs, uh, by and large. And so it's a good thing uh, that this labor contract is, is, is being negotiated this week for a brand-new deal for these workers because hopefully they'll make some gains, and that helps the economy. But there are important technology issues here on the table, and the Teamsters okay. have, have delivered uh, an 83-page collective bargaining proposal uh, to UPS. And one of the big issues, Nathan, is in terms of technology here, is the Teamsters want – they don't want the UPS to turn to driverless trucks to deliver their packages or to drones to deliver their packages because, of course, that would mean a huge loss of jobs. Of and so, and, and, and that's very important. You know, we, technology, is, as I've mentioned many times before in this program, does not have to be bad for workers. Uh, no. Technology is the wave of the future. Sure. Nobody is against technology, right? But you have to be conscious of the impact that these technologies and adopting these technologies, that's right. especially adopting them quickly, have on working people and on the economy. That's right. You can't, that's right. We don't want to, the technology, especially today, moves so quickly, right? It, it just gets so far ahead of us in terms of how it affects, you know, in terms of how it affects our society, how it affects workers, let alone uh, government being able to catch up and, and create policies that make sense, right, to, to govern how these new technologies might be utilized. And yeah, in a and way that, a is, that, that is, is fair and, um, and, and doesn't negatively affect people. One of the points I try to make over and over in different ways is that uh, when it comes to economic policy in America, mm-hmm. you can have a choice, okay? You can choose to be pro-worker in your policies, or you can choose to not care, disregard, and totally be reckless about that, or actually be anti-worker That's right. you know, That's in right. your policies. And, and what we do, what we consciously decide to do in terms of economic policy and adopting and adapting new technologies and that sort of thing, has a direct impact on a lot of working people, and that in turn has an impact on our economy and on the country. And so, you know, it's not a, an absolute, no. Uh, it's not inevitable that a new technology is going to just simply destroy jobs and drive down wages. That's not inevitable. We can choose how we deal with it. And so the Teamsters are trying to get that on the bargaining table. Good for them. With UPS. And also they want 10,000 more workers. Yeah, that's – and they want want UPS to hire 10,000 more workers. 
Uh, and so far, UPS says that in the past five years, under the old collective bargaining agreement, uh, UPS hired 40,000 more Teamsters workers. And I tell you what, Excellent. anybody who, who bothers to study seriously the economy and the impact that labor unions have understand that the more union workers we have, the better off for the economy, for the incomes of working families in this country. Well, you know, and too, I, I know everybody's fascinated with, with the idea of driverless vehicles and drones and things. But, um, you know, I, I don't know how that, uh, that driverless vehicles actually take that, find that package in the back of the truck, you know. Um, <laughs> and you, you always see them stopping there and they're milling in the back, you know, trying to find that package. And, then, you know, and they bring it on, they drop it. I mean, I, I, I don't see how you automate that whole process. But, but, yeah, uh, and, and not only that, even if the technology were absolutely spot on perfect, and it never is, of course, you know, <laughs> so you're sure. going to have you're Especially have in the early stages, especially. Yeah, in early I stages. mean, human interaction is important is. in our society, and, 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 and even things, something as mundane as delivering packages, if something goes awry, something goes wrong, you'd like to be able to be able to interact, you know, with a human being. And uh, not to mention the fact that it's really great for communities to have all these good jobs out there. So, so I hope uh, the, the Teamsters contract with UPS expires in July, and so okay. they have plenty of time to sit down at the table and come to an agreement. I hope they do without having to go to a strike. Well, very good. Well, we'll, we'll follow that one, and, and of course, we'll count on you to keep us up to date. So I know we have other things we need to hit here in the last few minutes. So um, I know you got a story for us about, uh, in terms of how union membership has grown in, in the past year, right? Yeah, we uh, the labor movement added 262,000 new workers in 2017. That's according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's 262,000 brand new union members all around the country. And Economic Policy Institute is out with, with a report saying something that's really important to understand for the future of the labor movement, and that is that in 2017, the biggest gains in union membership were for younger workers, workers under 35, uh, workers even under 34. So 76% of the increase, 76% of the increase in union membership in 2017 were workers under 35. And and that is a change in, in, in how it's been in the past. And, and historically, according to EPI, younger workers have been a lot less likely than older workers to be members of a union. So, of course, sure. when you've got new, fresh, young people coming into your movement, that's a good sign for the future uh, uh, and growth uh, of a movement, uh, labor movement or anything else. And in 2017, just to give listeners a little bit of an idea, 77% of workers 16 to 34, no, I'm sorry, seven, <laughs> that's wishful thinking, 7.7%, seven, <laughs> 7.7% Okay. Workers 16 to 34 were members of a union. So okay. small percentage of young workers, sure. the biggest, biggest piece of the growth. In the the big gains. Movement. Well, it's significant. It's something that yeah. the labor movement itself needs to make sure it pays attention to, that these younger workers are welcomed and, and feel at home, right, in the larger um, movement and have a solidarity with the larger movement. Do, do we know what, what sectors or what type of jobs these, these uh, younger folks have? Uh, I, I I don't know in terms of just the statistics, and I don't want to just you know take a stab at speculation here uh, sure. about exactly where, which sectors these were in. Uh, but uh, it was it was an overall gain among younger workers, and that is a okay. good thing. That you can go there if you have that curiosity about that EPI report. You can go to the Economic Policy Institute's website, and you can check out their report about the increase in union membership. And they they uh, definitely uh, do good stuff. We're actually going to have them on the program here for later today. So uh, moving forward here, I know uh, you know we've we uh, we talked talked about NAFTA, not lately, but uh, we know that negotiations are they're still going on up there in Montreal. Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. And uh, according to the AFL-CIO, of course, Celeste Drake, uh, AFL-CIO trade policy uh, specialist, she's at the table as she has been throughout and after. They're trying to get Excellent. the labor uh, protections improved, the AFL-CIO is. And also, the AFL-CIO and, and Mexican unions have filed a NAFTA labor complaint alleging that Mexico is not being held to the star- to the labor standards in NAFTA. And not only are they not even being held to the existing standards, and <laughs> labor, labor wants better standards. Yeah, yeah, and the existing <laughs> standards are not what they should be right which has been the issue from the beginning but the idea that they're not actually enforcing the the mediocre uh standards if if that right that they, that are there is is disturbing uh both oh, it's, it's for shameful. competitiveness and for the workers down there and what they're facing as well as the workers here feeling you know it's not a level playing field right yeah and the FLCIO wants to be very clear about this that the, the, the enemy of American workers is not Mexican workers. That's the right. CIO says it's a broken system of trade. It rewards corporate greed at the expense of workers on all sides of the borders. So that NAFTA, the new NAFTA, NAFTA 2.0, if you will, will, will have to help raise wages and improve working conditions and make sure that all workers, whatever country in North America they live in, can exercise fundamental labor rights. Uh, and, and, and that is the key. And so that's the, the struggle and the battle that's going on now in Montreal. And they're coming up on a deadline in March. Uh, this is getting close, I mean, to, to having to either say, yes, we have a new NAFTA, or Trump has, you know, threatened to walk away uh, if he doesn't get what he wants. But what he wants is not necessarily what workers want or what's good for workers. Uh, but we're but we're coming down to it here with the NAFTA renegotiations, and we'll, we'll have to keep our tabs, keep our eyes on it, keep tabs on it, and keep reporting what's occurring there uh, as that battle continues to try to make sure that the new renegotiated NAFTA is really a pro-worker document. Well, and, and unions and uh, folks like Celeste Drake up there at the AFL, the CIO, uh, need to, unions across the country need to be on this because unfortunately uh, we don't see enough from uh, political leaders on either side of the aisle talking about the real issues going on with NAFTA in terms of worker rights, in terms of environmental protections, in terms of consumer rights, uh, all that across the board being improved with that and all the sort of trade agreements. That's so, right. um, so far, so far, NAFTA has been more of an investment agreement than a real trade policy for that's, workers, that's for right. working people. And that's one thing that the AFL-CIO is trying to reverse in this renegotiation. Excellent. Well, that's great to know. Thanks so much, Doug, for coming with us, giving us these excellent updates all the time. Always appreciate it, Nathan. Thanks for having me. And that was Doug Cunningham, a labor reporter here with us on the Union Edge Labor's Talk Radio.